Welcome into the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. It's Josh Peach and Carson Gordy here, and Carson for the Illinois basketball team. They bounced back with an 85-52 win over Bethune-Cookman after two very ugly losses in a row to Penn State and Missouri. And despite playing a team that was 4-8 and eight going into the game in Bethune-Cookman, it was nice to see Illinois look better on both offense and defense in their bye basketball game. And I think the biggest takeaway is energy. Yeah. Um, seeing Sincere Harris get the starting nod, I mean, that's Brad Underwood saying, I'm going to hold these, this team accountable. Like, you are going to have to play with high energy, good on-ball defense. You have to be an everyday guy if you want to play on this roster. And Sincere Harris stole the show yesterday. I mean, 12 points, a great dunk at the end of the second half. It is infectious seeing that kind of wide smile when he plays. I mean, you like seeing Sincere Harris play, and that's been a huge criticism for Illinois this year. Penn State, was the effort there? Missouri in the first half. The one common denominator all year, Brad Underwood loves Sincere Harris. Yeah, well, you see them, you know, lose to Penn State with little energy, come back in your bye game against Alabama A&M and be up one point in the second half and then get blown out by Missouri, which is not the best Missouri team. Of course, they go and beat Kentucky, but Illinois thought that they had a good chance to win this game. And Brad Underwood always talks about everyday guys, you know. He wants these guys that play with high energy and are tough and physical. And he said it all year, and we've seen it all year. The only guy that has displayed that every single game, and it sounds like every single practice, is Sincere Harris. So despite not being able to score the ball very well, being a little skinny, he plays harder than anyone on the team. Like you said, he has an infectious smile, and he plays with more passion than anyone that I've seen on Illinois with the court this year. So, of course, you should start him. Yeah, he can't give you anything offensively, but Sky Clark goes down with an injury. He's not starting. It's Sincere Jaden Neps, and, well, Sincere Harris can give you more energy. So, like you said, he steals the show. He's got great defense. He has a nice slam. We saw his three-pointer go in a couple times. Granted, one of them was a bank. But for me, starting Sincere Harris was a no-brainer, and, in fact, I would continue to start him as the season progresses. Even if he doesn't start, I think it's important to give him starter minutes. We mm-hmm. always talk about it with Alan Griffin, um, our freshman year. So 2019-2020, Alan Griffin didn't make many starts, but he was playing 25-25 minutes a game, yeah. and he provided a huge spark of offense off the bench, great energy. It's the same thing with Sincere. Who's better, Ty Rogers or Sincere Harris? Right now, Sincere Harris. Yeah, I mean, he's a better scorer, and he's better at defense. Um, Sky Clark, I mean, who's better at defense? Easily it's, sincere, it's, Harris. It's got to be Harris. Like, unfortunately, with this team, they're going to be struggling with shooting all year. So you might as well play to your strength, which is defense. Yeah, Creating well, opportunities in transition. You know, you go back to the beginning of the year, Luke Goody uh, has a foot injury in the secret scrimmage against Kansas. That keeps him out until probably the middle of January which allows Sincere just to get some minutes. But you look at Illinois' two biggest wins of the year, two top 10 wins, which are against UCLA and Texas. The reason Illinois was able to come back in that game and get some energy was because of Sincere Harris. So Sincere goes from a freshman who's supposed to be, you know, the worst of the four, get the least playing time out of the four main freshmen, going from, you know, barely getting any minutes to providing the spark against UCLA and Texas in a turnaround win, now to starting. And like I said, I want him to start against Northwestern. I want him to start against Wisconsin because despite the lack of offense, the dude gives you so much energy. He plays harder. And even though he's a freshman, he could lead by example with Luke Goody out on a team that needs leadership and, you know, needs to be more physical and aggressive moving forward. And, you know, there are some times that Harris doesn't look like he's physically up to par with some other competition. Well, he's skinny. He's, he's a small guy. I mean, 160 pounds for a D1 player, like that is tiny. But he has showcased that he can be a very efficient scorer. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't really force bad shots. No. You know, sometimes Jay Neps, 
He takes too many long balls. You know, Sky Clark, he's kind of timid. It, it seems like Harris is a nice hybrid of knowing his role and when to know when to pull the trigger. Yeah, I think he does shoot a couple too many threes. He may be a little bit more confident in his shot than, you know, every spectator or the rest of the team is. But regardless, like you said, keep starting him. It's more to prove a point, I think, about energy because we're seeing a team with, you know, fifth-year guys like Matthew Mayer and Terrence Shannon who don't always play the hardest and aren't showing a ton of leadership. R.J. Melendez, Coleman Hawkins haven't really been there, and Sky Clark's going down with an injury. And he's continuing to start, you know, despite his ACL injury and not being as productive on offense or defense as we'd hoped. Uh, the other starting, the change that we saw in the starting lineup heading into Thursday night's game was that Dane Danger replaced RJ Melendez to get a little bit more size in there. And, you know, despite it being an inferior team, Dane Danger did play his part. He played 26 minutes and he scored 22 points. You know what? Like, I like Dane. Um, the beginning of the season, he looked like he was our next Kofi Coburn. Uh-huh. I remember Brad Underwood talking about him in the press conference. Man, maybe I found my next Kofi. But where has this been against Power 5 competition? Right. Take away UCLA. Well, the UCLA game was great, but I think that they didn't... Well, I think that part of Dane's game is that he hasn't gained enough minutes in right now because he's not well-conditioned, and we saw 26 minutes against Bethune-Cookman, but they are inferior, and he didn't have to play as hard. But maybe that's something that Dane's working up to. You know, he's been working with Adam Fletcher a lot, and he has a really high field goal percentage. Yeah, his free throw percentage is very poor. He did, after a tough start at the line, end up going 6-for-11 from the free throw line, which is about what you're going to get from him. But I do think that he can have a bigger role on this team. I mean, four rebounds. I'm sorry, six rebounds, four blocks, 22 points. You're not going to get that in Big Ten play, but I think that he has the possibility to be a 10-and-10 guy in Big Ten play. You know, they need it because I think the front court struggles. I mean, yeah. Coleman Hawkins isn't the most physically dominating presence. No. Um, Brandon Lieb, thanks for your service during practice, but you're not going to be playing during games. Mm-hmm. It just with Dane, I, I have to see it against Virginia. I have to see it against Penn State. I, I can't judge this recent performance. Well, like, I think it was really tough. Against Penn State, he only played 12 minutes and he had six points. I think that if Brad had to do it all over again, I think Brad had a very poor game coaching against Penn State. He would have given him more minutes because Penn State didn't start anyone over six foot six. And then against Missouri, again, he only played 16 minutes. But in those 16 minutes, he had nine points and six rebounds. I think the big thing for him is conditioning because when he plays a lot, he is healthy and he's super efficient in the minutes he plays. Yeah, I mean, Texas, I mean, that's a good game. I mean, nine points and 16 minutes again. They need help with the rebounds because I don't think we've seen the rebounding from the wings that we thought we would see. No. Like, we thought it would be Houston Cougar-like, you know, Terrence Shannon grabbing 10 boards or Matt Meyer gets eight. It's more of like a four-ish kind of mm-hmm. performance. Rebounding's kind of been a struggle this year, I yeah. think, relative to expectations. But yeah. that's something Dane can help with well, if he plays more. and you need Dane to help. I-, I think the biggest disappointment, other than maybe Coleman Hawkins on offense, but we kind of figured that, we thought RJ was going to take a bigger step this year. Yeah, and I think RJ thought his role would be different on the team too. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be here next year. I don't think so either, Carson. I mean, I you know I don't think he was too pleased with the amount of minutes he played last year. You know, granted, oh, he hated he, it. Granted, he was a freshman, but he played very well against Houston. Going into this year, he thought he was going to be the guy. They bring in Terrence Shannon Jr., but they still continue to start RJ. And as Brad alluded to in his press conference on Thursday night after the Bethune Cookman win, RJ has had a couple great days of practices, but he's losing confidence. And when you're, you know, guy that's supposed to be a leader or veteran on this team, I say in air quotes, 
as a sophomore isn't performing well or playing hard, yeah, you should take him out of the starting lineup to prove a point. And if RJ can, you know, pick it up, great. Illinois needs it. They need some scores. But RJ just hasn't shown that he is a starting caliber player in the Big Ten this year. I mean, one for eight at the three-point line. Like, that's not acceptable. And that's all the field goals he took. Every single shot he took was a three-pointer. Yeah. I don't understand the one thing. Like, Underwood understands that 31 three-pointers against Missouri, probably not good. He knows that 27 against Penn State's not good. But why isn't he changing the game plan so an RJ is going inside more, so JNFs is going inside more? I mean, this team does settle for three-pointers. Coleman Mm -hmm. Hawkins, why is he shooting four or five three-pointers a game? Yeah, that's too many. None of them are efficient at it. I mean, if this team understood that they need to attack the rim more, I mean, they're one of the top teams in the Big Ten Conference. I do think that they're making a lot of their threes in practice, and Brad feels a little handcuffed by that. But what you need, like you said, is guys to get inside and go to the rim. Like, what's Matt Mayer doing taking six three-pointers when that's when he only takes nine field goals total? But the one guy that I thought did get to the rim better which we wanted to see was Terrence Shannon. However, he continues to do this against the smaller level teams like Alabama A&M and Bethune-Cookman when we really need that against teams like Missouri and Penn State. He, he steps it up. He did it against Texas in overtime. Right. You know, against UCLA, he had a hot hand. Yeah. He shot eight three-point... He shot nine three-pointers, made eight of them. That is called the biggest outlier of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't win that game nine out of ten times against the Bruins. Terrence Shannon's a... He's a stud, dude. I mean, against Kansas, he got to the free throw line 19 times. I really like him a lot, and he really is the X factor. Because yeah. when you have a good physical guard like Terrence, he can just cover so many holes. You just need guys to get to the rim. But what we saw in total last night, or excuse me, on Thursday night, was better passing all around, a spread offense that did create better shots. I mean, the team did shoot 49% from the field, which is a huge, huge improvement. They took 28 threes, but a lot of those were in the second half when Brandon Lee was playing. And I think it's very hard to judge a team when you have a guy that's never going to play in a real D1 game on the floor for that amount of minutes. I mean, he only played eight minutes, but that was, you know significant to say the least um you saw Jade Nepps getting 21 minutes Ty Rogers even played 18 minutes so it's kind of hard to judge but in the first half when they had the starters and the offense looked way better and they were able to score 47 in the first half even if it is against an inferior opponent I mean ball movement is huge like we see this program when Andre Curbelo was playing with a full deck of cards he was phenomenal yeah I mean the offense really flourished under his direction Ayodesumu when you have a guy that just takes charge and can facilitate the offense they do really well I think Brad always kind of needs a point guard to step it up mm-hmm. for this offense to, to succeed. And granted, that's most programs. You know, you watch Illinois basketball. What is their offensive game plan most games? Nothing. I don't think it, there really is a game plan. I think it is pound it inside, make your three-point shots, and play physical defense. Mm-hmm. You know, offensively, it's always going to kind of be a struggle. They kind of need that star player to step up. Yeah, you really need that, and that's, I think, what we hope Terrence Shannon would be. But regardless of Terrence Shannon being a fifth year and Matthew Mayer being a fifth year, this team together is still very fresh. Like, they're the third youngest team in college basketball or something like that in total. And then even your veterans have never played together in their life, right? Coleman Hawkins is the one guy that has a little bit of experience as an upperclassman as a junior, but even he hasn't played big minutes, and he didn't even play big minutes until halfway through the season last year because, remember, he lost his starting spot. Coleman was supposed to have a big role last year. Yeah. And it started off well in non-conference play. I remember the first three games he was averaging, what, 16 points a game. Yep. And then he hit, he hit a funk. Um, he didn't play well. Like, look at all these players on the team. Coleman Hawkins. Kofi Coburn was in charge of the front court. Yep. Dange Danger was a uh, transfer from Baylor. Matthew yep. Meyer was a role player at Baylor. 
Sincere Harris was in high school. Terrence Shannon, he, he didn't even start that much at Texas Tech. Nope, and he, he didn't score more than 9 or 10 points a game no, either. He was a very, very good player at what he did, but yeah. none of these guys have ever had to lead. And unfortunately, I think Illinois fans expected more from Sky Clark. Yeah. Grant, it's not all of his fault. And yet, yeah, we know he's a project. The ACL injury is tough. Yeah, no, it's, it's just going to be tough for this Illinois team. I think Texas and UCLA really jacked up the expectations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you see games like Maryland, I thought was going to humble them a little bit. But really, it turned out that they didn't come back as strong after, you know, the win against Texas. And you see a loss to Penn State and a terrible performance against Alabama A&M, and a blowout loss to Missouri team on both sides of the ball. Switching to defense a little bit because we can get back to offense. You know, I think the point is that someone's got to step up. We're waiting for it. We just don't know who it's going to be. The pieces can be there, but until Terrence or Dane or Matt steps up, they're not going to score 80 points a game. No, I, I think the defense is fine. Like, I like Harris. I think Matt's been playing a lot better in transition. I think Jay Neps is just a sturdy guard. I mean, you're not going to take advantage of him. I guess you just have to create opportunities with turnovers, with rebounds. Yeah, but on defense, like against Penn State, they gave up a million threes and allowed 74 points, and then Mizzou did whatever they wanted. And the big criticism from the media, especially after the Penn State game into the Missouri game, and criticism from myself from the beginning of the year, was to switch everything defense. And Brad alluded after the to the Missouri game that changes need to be made. And, you know, Brad always talks about having this tough physical team. And to me, Part of being tough and physical is to be able to fight through screens, not switch everything. And then against Bethune-Cookman, we see them turn off the switch everything, and they only switch when they got extremely stuck on the screen. Every other time, the guys fought through screens, and especially in the first half when your starters were playing the big minutes, they only gave up 19 points, and they looked way better. So are they going to stick to that blueprint? I think so, because uh, one of the media guys asked in the presser Thursday night to Brad what went into you know, guys fighting through screens more. And he said, well, when we switched everything, we got bad matchups and we fouled a lot. And he put a lot of emphasis on fouling. And yeah, that's true, but really the matchups just sucked. And like Jalen Pickett would do whatever he wanted or Kobe Brown from Missouri would do whatever he wanted. Exactly. So really the matchups were just bad and like, yeah, it was fouling, but they couldn't stop them. So it does sound like they're going to stick with it, which really pleases me and a lot of the media fan base as well. When you're taking on Purdue guards, when you're taking on Michigan, I mean, you don't want to give them easy opportunities. Derek Piper of Alina Inquirer, he was writing about this. He was very vocal with Brad Underwood in the press conferences, yeah. asking about the switch-everything defense. He would tweet about it all the time. And it didn't seem like Brad was really going to make that many adjustments. Nope. But I think kind of like with Brett Bielema, you kind of take – you don't you need to take what they say in public press conferences for granted. Yeah. So – Brett Bielema might talk about, man, I actually do like Tony Peterson. But in reality, he's he going to fire him. him. Brad Underwood, the switch everything defense isn't the issue. In reality, he's going to sit down and watch the film. And he's going to realize that stuff has to be changed. Well, he changed his scheme on offense. They went you know, spread out and in the first half looked great. They changed what they did on defense. They fought through screens. And again, they looked great. And the other thing that changed, and this is minor, but I wanted to hit on it. They changed their outfits. Brad Underwood texted the coaches a few days before the game and said, we're going to wear suits. Was that just Brad Underwood trying to, you know, change the persona and change the scene, just get a different look to a struggling team? I think he was trying to maybe say, this game's important. Like, when you throw on the orange coat, that's not something that Illinois fans take lightly. Mm -hmm. A lot of fans didn't like his outfit yesterday. But maybe deep down, Brad's thinking, like, we got to play well against Beth and Cookman. We got to play well against Northwestern. This is a very important stretch because... 
Illinois basketball can literally play their way to a top four, top three seed in the NCAA tournament, or they could be on the bubble. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that because, you know, once COVID started, the without fans, the coaches stopped wearing suits like they always used to. They would just go quarter zips or pullovers or whatever. And then when fans came back, coaches were kind of like, oh, wait, we don't have to wear suits. You see guys like Mike Woodson, though, still wearing them. I think McCronin wore one earlier in the year against Illinois. So maybe Brad Underwood thought, all right, we're just going to change up everything because we need a new look I after two bad losses. Let's get back into our groove, and you know that sort of goes into it. Obviously, it's not a huge factor, but Brad just wanted to change things up, and I respect it. But, you know, starting to look forward, the next game's against a bad Northwestern team who, yeah, did win at Michigan State, but... They barely beat you know Brown by five points. They're just really not very good. But unfortunately, you can't really just you just can't predict how this team's going to do against them. No, it's it's on the road. I'm sorry, Boo Booey is a pretty good guard. Yeah. Um, Illinois could lose this game. You look at every single game on the schedule, like you know Indiana at home. Do you feel confident? Do you feel confident on the road taking on the Badgers? Absolutely not. No, you don't. They're the 15th ranked team in the country. For those that don't know, I mean, at the beginning of the year. We both thought Illinois could start 14-1 in conference play. Yeah. And when you beat Texas and UCLA, that kind of validates that claim. But they play up and down to competition. Like, yeah, they beat you know Beth and Cookman by 33. I don't know how much you can really take from that. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, the game's at Northwestern. You know, Illinois has done traditionally better than them. And I do think that Illinois is definitely going to win because they're just so much more talented than Illinois. Then North Illinois is just so much more talented than Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, shout yeah. out to Chris Collins. But like, there's only so much you can do up there. So I do expect them to win. I just don't know by how much. But then you look at a team like Wisconsin, who's the 15th ranked team in the country. They've got good guards. They've got tall athletic guards, kind of like Missouri. So we could see something like we did in Columbia, where you come out strong at home. I'm sorry, where you go out and lose to a team that you probably should beat or keep close. Or we could see a game like UCLA with some tall guards, where you come out at home against a team who you've beaten in the past and kind of have a bounce-back game. It's just so hard to tell. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me before the year Illinois starts 9-4, and four, I'd be like, all right, that's a fine start. I mean, yeah. Michigan State starts 9-4 and four some years. Villanova made the Final Four. They started, you know, they lost four non-conference games. Yeah. But it's the way that they lost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of the lack of direction on offense. And did anything really change from Beth and Cookman? Like, yes, they did pass it more, but do you think that's going to translate into Big Ten play? I think that they played so much cleaner. I mean, their last bye game against Alabama A&M was a disaster on both sides of the ball in the start of the second half, and that is not something we saw. You know, like, yeah, you're up 30 at halftime, and it's tough to play when you're up 30, and you, you quote-unquote, only beat them by five in the second half, but they still won by 32 points or whatever, and we saw better passing, we saw better motion, we saw better chemistry on offense, where we saw more turnovers forced and a more disciplined team on defense. So I think it just shows that changes are being made, and this was a kind of game to test it out. So if the offense continues to improve like we saw against Bethune-Cookman, yeah, Northwestern could go really well, and they could win by 20 or 30, which I think they should. But until we see one guy step up offensively consistently, you can't predict what they're going to do. Well, if I had to pick one guy that needs to play well every single game, it's definitely Terrence Shannon. Yeah. Because when you have an athletic guard slash wing like that that can get to the basket, can potentially shoot the three-point shot, I mean, that's more important than Coleman Hawkins facilitating the ball, in my opinion. I mean, when this team played great, when they beat Texas, it's because Terrence Shannon stepped up. When they beat UCLA, it's because Terrence Shannon stepped up. 
He's been kind of an oddball the past couple weeks. You can't really read him. It's because Terrence Shannon was an alpha those games, right? He took it upon himself to score the ball, and that's exactly what you need. But he hasn't been in this role before, so there's probably a little bit of a learning curve for him. But why does he do that against Texas, against UCLA? But against Penn State, he only has seven shot attempts. Why do we see him be completely quiet against Missouri until the second half? Confidence is an everyday guy. I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, all these guys have been playing up to competition. They all say the right thing in the post-game press conference, but the substance isn't there. Part of it is the coaches getting them ready. Part of it might be Brad putting more of a role on him. And part of it, like I said, might be a learning curve. But that's, again, Carson, why you play this tough non-conference schedule. Because even though they have played Maryland and Penn State, the conference slate really starts now. So no, that was hopefully to prepare them. But again, even you know Thursday night, we didn't see an alpha against Bethune-Cookman. But another thing that I wanted to point out as far as consistency goes, and this guy doesn't have to be the alpha, but what the heck is going on with Coleman Hawkins? Against Missouri, he plays terrible defense and has a bunch of turnovers. And even against Bethune-Cookman, he had four turnovers. He was making an outlet pass in the behind half court after a rebound in the second half on Thursday night. And there's a Bethune-Cookman defender right there who easily picks it off and goes into and goes in, drives and makes a lap. It was one of the worst passes I've ever seen. Like, yeah, Coleman Hawkins is a great passer at times, but the dude has been inconsistent on all levels of the ball this year. When you play the five, when you're 6'10", when you are trying to fill the shoes of Kofi Coburn, um, we don't need a facilitator. No. That's Guy Clark's job. That's Jay Knapp's job. Even make it Terrence Shannon's job. That is not Coleman Hawkins. Coleman Hawkins needs to rebound the ball and start shooting more in the paint because that's what this Illinois team is lacking. I mean, the front court has been atrocious compared to previous years. It would just be so nice if in year three, Coleman Hawkins could learn to create his own shot. Like, not every game is going to be like Syracuse where there's a wide open hole in the middle of the paint to you, for you to have wide open floaters. Like, sorry, buddy, that's not going to happen. You're a junior on Illinois. You've, got, you've been given the path to success by Brad Underwood, and I know that you want to go to the NBA as a stretch four, you know, defense and three type of guy, but when you're making one out of four or five threes every single game, you're going to have to score in other ways to impact the team, and you just can't do it. I'm just going to say nothing's going to change because Brad Underwood really respects Coleman Hawkins. He loves him. But in press conferences, he does say when Coleman tried to stick to the paint last year, he failed miserably. I disagree. I I think Shannon should try more. I mean, not Shannon. I think Coleman Coleman. Hawkins should try more down low. Uh, Coleman will be a three-point guy. He will have the offense run through him. And it's frustrating. I don't think that's going to change for Illinois, personally. It's just unfortunate when you face a team like the Penn State Nitty Lions who don't start anyone over the size of 6'6", and Coleman can't be more of a factor down low. Yeah, You need some sort of front court presence when you're 6'10", no matter what position you play. He's just not assertive. I mean, there's been numerous times throughout the game where he could put up the ball and get fouled or you know get a layup underneath, yeah. and he dishes it out to the three-point line. Okay, fine. If you have Trent Frazier... If you have Alfonso Plummer, if you have 2021 DeMonte Williams at the three-point line, mm-hmm. sure, dish it out. But Matthew Meyer is an inconsistent shooter. Yeah, You know, Sincere Harris, I'm not counting on him to make that three-point shot. It's an ugly-looking shot. Who's the best three-pointer, uh, three-point shooter on this team this year? He's hurt. His name's Luke Goody. Yeah. I mean, the team is struggling. Like, what this team needs to do is explode to the basket and shoot free throws. We haven't seen it. There's just so much inconsistency. You could say RJ could be the best shooter, but he goes one for eight. Jaden Epps could be the best shooter, but he relies too much on his pull-up. I mean, what's going to happen is RJ's going to transfer to a school like San Francisco, and he's going to kill it. You think so? He's going to start with a new role. He's going to find himself. How's he going to create his own shot? He can't do that at Illinois. He can't get to the rim to save his life. 
I don't know. I can't tell you, but his experiment so far at Illinois, it's been disappointing. I, I mean, last year against experiment. North last year against Northwestern, he played fantastic. Against Houston last year, he played great. Imagine if Brad Underwood didn't kill it in the transfer portal this year. They'd and be the, screwed. The face of the program is RJ. They'd be screwed. And an injured Sky Clark. That would not turn out well for no, the program. No, you would not be feeling good at all. And like it kind of leads me to the question like Matt Mayer's leaving next year. He's gone. Tanner Shannon is leaving next year. Coleman. Can you really... Coleman is probably going to go pro or transfer. Same with RJ. Who can you rely on next year to actually score the ball? Like, yeah, Jaden Epps, Sky Clark, and Dane Danger Jayden are probably going to be there. But are you just going to have to rely on getting another big name in the transfer portal? Because I don't know if that's sustainable even for Brad Underwood. Um, I think Ty Rogers has to find his voice down low. I think Ty Rogers mm-hmm. has been delegated to a strictly defensive player. I think Sincere Harris has a very high ceiling. It's going to be Jay Neps next year. Yeah. I think Jay Neps is definitely the face of the program. Wow. Like, we love what Harris brings to us defensively. But at the end of the day, you need to put the ball in the basket. And Jay Neps is the most proven scorer out of the freshmen so far. Who knows what's going to happen with Sky Clark? Who yeah. knows if you ever really recovered from that injury? Yeah, you never know. I mean, we're going to look at Sky Clark to step it up, Jaden Epps to get more consistent, Luke Goody will be there, Dane Danger will be there. But outside that, you really don't know. I mean, yeah, Ty Rogers and stuff, and you might have a couple guys like Imani Hansberry and another guard coming in. But, like, I think they're definitely going to have to hit the transfer portal again. You're going to have to get a big name. And that is college basketball. You know, and credit to Brad Underwood. When you have guys like Jay Wright, just call it quits because he doesn't like how the portal works. Mm -hmm. Or you have some of these older coaches complain about the practice. You know, Brad Underwood just rolls up his sleeves and gets two out of the top, you know, some of the best ten, Big 12 players. Yeah, two out of the ten transfers or whatever you, you know, want to call it. Whitman has stockpiled Illinois with NIL money. Mm-hmm. I mean, Illinois basketball, they're going to have all the resources to compete and make Sweet 16s and maybe compete for Final Fours. It seems like it's more of a coaching issue. It seems yeah. it's more systematic. Something with Brad and Tim Anderson that we're never going to, and Chester Frazier even, that we're not going to have to worry about is recruiting because we see the con- the recruiting continuing to step up. And even last year when you're losing your entire starting lineup, people thought Illinois is going to go into a rebuilding year. But instead of rebuilding, they, re- they reloaded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're competitive again. You know, we obviously the ceiling's as high as beating anyone in the country. And it's as low as losing to Missouri by 30. So, you know, obviously we always get ahead of ourselves and start talking about the future. You know, future seasons when really good. we got to focus on the present and future games. But... You know, with this, we think about what could have made the team better. And something that we thought could have made the team better last year, but obviously we might miss a little bit more than we thought, is Kofi Coburn. Yeah, when Kofi left, we said, good riddance. Let's start something new. Let's start something fresh. Hate to say it, there's been a big correlation with Brad Underwood winning games and Kofi Coburn scoring 20 points. Uh-huh. Conference um, games specifically. Yeah, I mean, you could literally guarantee that Kofi was going to score at least 15 points. Yeah. I think the only player that really outplayed him on a consistent basis was Zach Eady of uh-huh. Purdue. You know, who's the guaranteed scorer on this team this year? No one. No, like if you had to pick one. Terrence. It's Terrence, but it's also inefficient, and Terrence sometimes takes a night off. Kofi Coburn didn't take any nights off never. because he's bigger and better than you. And you and you loved that game, a guy that could average 20 and 10 and never take a night off. Like, that was great and all. But a 6'11 beast isn't going to come every single year. No. No, absolutely not. You're never going to get another Kofi Coburn. Right. But it makes you think, like, who's actually had a bigger impact on this program? Like, if you had to pick one player for this year, are you taking Io DeSumo 
Or are you taking Kofi Coburn? You're taking Kofi Coburn, but I'd still argue that on the, in the grand scheme of things, Io's commitment's the most important one. Kofi doesn't come without Io. Io staying home when he could have gone anywhere in the country was more important. But does Io get to the Chicago Bulls without Kofi Coburn? No, he doesn't. Like, does this team win a Big Ten championship without Kofi Coburn? Nope. As far as commitments goes, Io is the most important. But as far as player on the court goes, Kofi was the most important. I think Io is the most symbolic yeah, recruit. sure. Because he was going to come here even if John Gross was here. And he loved the school. You know, like you said, he was always coming to Champaign. Like, that was a no-brainer. And what Io did as the hometown kid, especially now playing in Chicago, and his recruiting pitch is amazing. You know, last year he came back to the State Farm Center all the time for games, and DeMar DeRozan would join him. But if you're actually talking about guy on the court for wins, of course it's Kofi. Io never won without Kofi. No, he never did. He had one win at home against a Michigan State team that was mediocre. That's eh, sort of mediocre. Are you talking about his freshman year? I, they made I the think final they four. made the Final Four. Michigan but, State was good that year. But that was That's still like they didn't have a ton of talent on that team. But regardless, the point yeah. is that Iowa had one big win without, um, without Kofi Coburn. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough because Brad Underwood, like – he had two All-Americans. Like, one guy's playing for the Bulls. The other guy was unstoppable in college. And what you have to show for it is around a 32. Yeah. All right, but, you know, let's say I owe Kofi off the table. Who's one player from last year that you would want on this year's team? So, like a plumber, like I, an Andre I, I honestly think you would go with Trent Frazier. You would take Trent. Because he it would have... You'd have a solidified starting point guard on the team who could give you a little bit more defense. And he's the, he's the vocal leader that you're missing, in my opinion. Brad Underwood talks all the time in the press conferences post-game about leadership and how he's relied on Terrence, but he hasn't stepped up. Luke Goody's hurt. You need someone. That was Trent Frazier. Trent Frazier was t- trying to lead the team on Twitter from Europe. Yeah. I would take Trent. I'm taking Cabello. Whoa. I'm taking Andre Cabello. Whoa. Because what does this team need? Playmaking. You need a facilitator. Yeah. What did Trent Frazier do to help out other players on the court? I mean, great defense. Sometimes you make the three-point shot a lot. But you didn't see him dish it down to Kofi Coburn. You didn't see him dishing it down to Coleman. Who dished it down when Corbello was hurt almost the whole year last well, year? Well, they struggled last year, I would say. Yeah, I mean, Kofi still averaged 20 and 10. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Kofi's there by himself. But, you know, when Corbello was playing with a full deck of cards, running up and down the court... I mean, they looked phenomenal. I thought they'd win the national championship two years ago. Freshman year, Curbelo was on his game. When he went, the team went. You know, I look at the game against Iowa and Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament as outliers. But back to Kofi just for one second. How would the team look different this year if Kofi were actually on the court? Well, if he was on the court, it would just Coleman would have a role as the four. Um, Dane would not be playing as much. He'd be more of a guy that just goes in there to pick up falls He'd and be get an rebounds. Omar role. It'd be weird because this team really wants to run it up in transition in a perfect world. You know, Kobe's not going to do that. In theory, it would probably slow down the pace of the team. Yeah, it would because you look at a guy like Coleman Hawkins, who last year was his most efficient when he was playing the five with Kofi off the floor and Omar Payne off the floor. So that's why you thought he was going to succeed this year and go inside a little bit more. But for some reason, again, we haven't seen that. And I don't know if that's Brad's offensive style or Tim Anderson's offensive style or whatever it may be or just Coleman's last lack of assertiveness. But I assumed that Kofi off the floor would lead to Coleman playing better inside. That's what you think, but Coleman's always going to think that he's a point guard and a three-point shooter. Yeah. I mean, they've really, that's kind of like settled law right now. That's mm-hmm. what it seems like with Illinois. Um, Coleman's never going to be what we want him to be. Yeah. And I think that's going to hurt Illinois a lot because Brad Underwood has not won in Champaign without amazing front court action. Because mm-hmm. even Georgie, I mean, he had post moves down low. He was scoring 13 points a game his freshman year. 
I think Coleman's more of a guy that's going to score six, seven points a game. Probably. He turns it over a lot. I'm sorry, but the fact that it, Coleman is still in like ESPN like mock drafts right now blows my mind. I guess it makes what sense. What has he proven? He's great defensively. We like him on defense. He can't. He has showcased an ability to make a three-point shot. Yeah. But I don't care what the pros are going to get. Right. I'm, I'm thinking, as a person that follows Illinois basketball, they need a more physical Coleman Hawkins. Yeah. Or else they're not going to win that much. In a couple of weeks, I think we're expecting to get Luke Goody back. He's probably only going to play nine, ten minutes a game to start. Hopefully, more by the end of the year. Luke Goody, even as a freshman, would lead. You know, sh- show his leadership on the floor when he played. Huddle up guys during free throws or out of bounds plays or timeouts or whatever. And he's a great for three point shooter, and he's definitely going to improve that three point percentage. Is he Matt with a higher ceiling? I don't think so. I think Matt is better in transition, maybe is a little bit bigger and handles the ball a little bit better. But what Luke's going to give you is that lock, knockdown three-point shot that you're missing. Yeah, he's going to make 42%. Yeah, like we said, you know, when Luke Goody got hurt, oh, does Luke Goody being hurt change your prediction of what where Illinois finishes in the conference, you know, as far as like when we get to the tournament? Well, maybe, maybe not. But now I would say yes. He's a leader. He plays defense. He's another big body. And we need three-point shooting. You yeah. mentioned it earlier. You asked me, who's the best three-point shooter on the team? It's Luke. Now it's Luke. Yeah, it's Luke. Yeah. I think he's going to help just from a leadership standpoint, get you know the team a little deeper. He's probably going to take minutes away from Ty Rogers, but Ty Rogers needs a break. You know, Ty Rogers hasn't, hasn't earned it. I mean, if you look at the freshman, Jay Neps has been the most consistent, productive, yeah. probably showcase high ceiling. Sincere Harris has been the fan favorite, the most fun to watch. Sky Clark, it's really hard to judge him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the injury, he doesn't really drive to the rim. What is the one positive we're really saying about Ty Rogers? Like, if Ty Rogers didn't, hasn't played a single minute on Illinois this year, I don't think it impacts the team. No, probably not. You just see him as a guy that played in the 18U national team or whatever he was chosen. He averaged 6-6-6 six, six, and six or something like that, a Draymond Green type stat line. It's no secret that he cannot score anything besides a dunk or a layup, and his free throw shooting is atrocious. But he had a couple really nice passes last night, and he plays very physical on defense. What what he's giving Illinois right now and has improved in the last two, three games is his defense. But what's a guy like that's been through the program with Underwood that is similar to a Ty Rogers? You haven't, but again, Brad is it keeps DeMonte saying without the three point shot? Maybe, but Ty Rogers can give you better defense. He's faster, and I think he can score inside a little bit better, maybe. He can get offensive rebounds. That's what Ty Rogers does. Oh yeah, he's definitely like that Houston Cougar guard. I think he's gonna be important. Yeah, in a couple not, years. Just not this year. Just not this year. He just needs time to get ready. I thought he was going to be the most college-ready of the freshmen, but it turns out he's the opposite, actually. But in college basketball, it's so fluid. I mean, how many guys really sit on the bench for their first two years and then just pop out of nowhere their junior season? Yeah, not many. It's just like you're getting more. Like, Brad's going to continue to get four- and five-star guards. He's going to hit the transfer portal. Like, eventually, one of these freshman guards is going to be forced out. Oh, yeah. It might be Sky Clark. It, yeah, maybe. I mean, Sky Clark and Ty Rogers are the two guys that have question marks with their future. Probably. I mean, you expect Sincere Harris with his passion to always be here and give Brad Underwood energy. And then Jaden Knapps, I mean, he Naps can score and he seems like the bucket that you can rely on for years to come. Like, it seems like he's going to be getting the minutes over Sky when it's important, like we saw him do against Texas in the biggest game of the year, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe Sky does. But Sky has said it himself, man. He's a project. He knows that he wasn't going pro after one year. 
which is why at least for a sophomore year I could see him giving him Illinois another chance. But that's a guy for the rest of the year that you have to look at and be like, yeah, Sky Clark needs to step it up and take a jump in the second half of the season or else Illinois is going to really struggle. All right, let's hit the mailbox. we got a couple good questions from our buddies that follow the basketball program, and they want to hear what we have to say. Um, question number one, will Sky Clark start games off the bench for the rest of the year? I think that Brad Underwood is going to use his injury as an excuse to bring him off the bench and continue to start Sincere Harris or Jaden Epps, and I think that that's going to be really good for him because it's going to put a chip on his shoulder. What has Sky Clark shown substance-wise to say, yeah, I should be starting? Like, what, is he, what has he brought Illinois that I hate Sincere Harris it. doesn't do? I hate to say it. He's brought a five-star recruit who has potential. That's about it right now. Yeah. I mean, he's not really gotten others involved. Like, the idea was... Okay, maybe he can't be as explosive to the basket, but he's going to shoot the three, and he's a phenomenal passer. Yeah. We've seen neither. Mm-hmm. Harris is better at defense. Epps is more proven offensively. And he's not good enough facilitating to earn a spot in the starting lineup. I think he has to come off the bench. The thing about Sky is that like- he has been efficient. When well, he actually scored against Maryland and Texas, he was very efficient. The problem is that he's not creating his own shot the way we thought we would, whether that's getting to the rim, taking threes or not. The one explosive game he had was one of those bye game wins. It was against Lindenwood when Sky Clark had definitely his best game of the year. He was 8 for 9 from the field and 3 for 4 from 3. But that was a slower team who's less physical, so we're not going to you know see that as much. So he actually has been efficient. He really just needs to get his agility back from his knee. And maybe this, you know, little rehab stint for a couple games or days, who knows what it is, will help him. But he's, like I said, a guy that if he comes off the bench and it gives him a spark, great. He's just got to shoot the ball more because when he does, he's efficient. I think his defense, though, against Missouri was poor. It was really bad, but you could tell he was hurt. Yeah. That was his first really bad defensive game, I think. He's big. He, he gets a lot of rebounds and he jumps up high. Like, his, his defensive rebounding has been very good from the guard spot, which they missed last year. Yeah. No, he's definitely, you know, a five-star guy. This was somebody that Illinois celebrated when they got. Oh, you had to. This was huge. Yeah. I mean, this was the biggest recruit since, what, Adam Miller? Yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, you know, it's probably just going to take a little bit longer for Sky. Yep. It, like we said, just take a little bit longer. It would be great if it happened this year. I think they need it this year if they want to do anything in the tournament or maybe even get to the tournament. But we can expect Sky to stick around and be good for the last couple of years. All right, uh, question number two. How does this recent lineup against Bethune-Cookman fare in Big Ten play? I like it. You, you like have, it. You have a little bit more size. You ha- Because I think that Dane Danger can make a difference and maybe getting him starting to get him 20, 25 minutes can... I'll start with him because that can be more productive because when we looked at it earlier recording this episode, Carson, he's efficient and he doesn't play many minutes. So this was the first time he played 26 minutes. He scored 22 points, whatever. Texas only played 16 minutes. Well, that's nine points. He only played 12 minutes against Penn State, but he had six points and he was efficient in those minutes. So I really think that this is a matter with Dane of working with Adam Fletcher, you know, getting that strength and conditioning training in and having, you know, a little bit more longevity in his minutes because when he plays, even when it was against big opponents like Texas, he can play well. Going over to Sincere Harris, you have to keep him in the starting lineup because he gives you so much energy. He plays with more passion. He gets on the floor. He really is an everyday guy. Keeps R.J. Melendez out of the starting lineup. Make him earn every minute he can Make him create his own shot and get to the line and get to, you know, the basket and actually score some points. So for those reasons, I think that this starting lineup is what they should ride with, especially with Sky Clark hurt. I think RJ is going to disappear because sincere Harris is replacing Sky Clark. 
Mm-hmm. Harris isn't replacing RJ. No. I mean, he made the decision, I need some size over RJ. Yeah. I'm putting in the 6'10 center. Because he's been the biggest disappointment. He has been the biggest disappointment. I mean, RJ has all of the tools possible. It just hasn't worked out. I think uh, I think RJ's going to get left behind. Wow. I think against Purdue, you need size. Yeah. I mean, Coleman I Hawkins and Dane have to double-team Zach Eady. Just the way, like, Ohio State did to Kofi last year. Exactly. You know, you're going to need size when you're playing Indiana in uh, Trace Jackson Davis. I just don't really see a role for RJ. I'm glad he's out of the starting lineup. I think that he can make a difference off the bench, but I agree with you. Right now, there's no reason he should be starting. Like, I look at Mark Smith, the basketball player right. who committed five years ago and then transferred or whatever. Brad left him in the starting lineup for so long and gave him all the time and all the opportunity to actually score the ball, and he just wouldn't do it. But at a point when it's hurting the team and their wins and effect and potentially affecting their tournament resume, you got to switch it up a little bit. RJ's been playing 25-plus minutes a game, and I'm not sure that that's going to change that much. I mean, he got eight shots in against Bethune-Cookman, and he still played 24 minutes, which is more than Matt Mayer and Sincere Harris did on Thursday night. But he has to come off the bench. Yeah. I think we settled that. We like the size. You yeah. know, Dane has a high ceiling. People just have to create shots for him. He's got to be physically dominating. Stay with the starting lineup. That was good. The one thing I would say, I wouldn't mind if Harris comes off the bench. I think it's great energy off the bench. Just make sure that he gets starting minutes. And get Jaden. i rather have Jaden upstart. And Sky Clark, just because the scoring maybe. Yeah. I, I think you need some scoring. I trust Jaden Epps. I really do. But maybe Sincere Harris starting is good because then you have like a huge spark to start the game, get the energy going, and then Jaden Epps can be the first guy off the bench after a couple minutes to get some if scoring. If you trust in. him to be the leader of the number two team scoring-wise, yeah. then sure. We'll see what Brad does. Let's get a big game in it against Northwestern. I bet the starting lineup will stay the same after that, and then we can really assess. I don't think Harris is ever going to sit on the bench again. Brad has... Loved him all year. He hypes him up publicly. But Carson, he can't score. He plays hard. No, well, that's not true. I mean, he went five or seven in his recent game. He can score six points a game. Uh, come they're, on, They're man. playing him for the defense. He can't shoot free throws and but, he can't shoot threes. In a real game, all he can do is score in transition. But what has Sky Clark done? He's hit threes. Come on. It's low volume, though. I mean, at Sky Clark, take away the Lindenwood game, he doesn't break double figures. And his defense is a liability compared to Harris. I mean, every th- single thing that we expect Sky Clark to done, he hasn't proven to us. I mean, Harris is better defensively, and he has not and forced Jaden up Epps bad is shots. better offensively. Like, Sky Clark currently doesn't have a role. I-, I think it really is between Epps and Sincere Harris. Yeah, maybe. Just like, for the time being. Oh, of course Sky Clark has the higher ceiling, but come on. Like, what have we seen? He did score 11 points against Penn State, but yeah, you're right. It's coming in very low volume. They're going to have to go elsewhere in the starting lineup and for now sincere harris or Jaden naps yeah he's not he, brad has proven a point if you play hard if you showcase energy yep. you're gonna have a start to you know you're gonna have a spot all right to the mailbox uh next question how would goody's return impact rj and ty rogers minutes i think that ty rogers isn't playing many more than six or seven minutes in real games right now anyways. Uh, So I don't think it's going to impact him that much. But yeah, R.J. Melendez is going to compete for minutes off the bench with, you know, Luke Goody. Luke Goody and R.J. Melendez are going to be right there. And of course, when Luke's coming in at first, because he had just had a foot injury, that's a pretty, you know, severe injury when it comes to minutes, he isn't going to play as much. But what it's really going to determine is when Luke's playing in, you know, low volume, is he going to end up playing more than RJ when he's healthy enough to play full minutes? 
Well, I think you'd have to. I mean, if Luke shoots the ball more efficiently, he's going to start right off the bat. Because yeah. we know that Luke Goody is a better offensive rebounder. We do know that he does provide more energy coming off the bench. I think it's clear. I mean, Goody's going to take RJ's spot. Probably. It's ironic because we thought those two were going to be a power couple this year. Mm-hmm. You know, after the Houston game last March Madness, we thought those two would be the faces of the program. And RJ and Luke were going to start coming into the year. They weren't going to start a point guard. They were going to go with Luke, but then he got hurt. Yeah, then he got hurt with the foot. Yeah. It's it's weird with RJ because he actually, if you remember, did play fairly well against Maryland, and he hit a huge shot against Texas when they needed him to. But really his best game this year was Lindenwood. And besides, you know, when they ended up winning by 30 against Syracuse and a little bit against Maryland, he just hasn't shown you anything. Like the inconsistency just opens the path for Luke Goody to play more minutes when he comes back. Yeah, and I like it. You know, he's an everyday guy. I'm not going to question what Luke Goody's going to give you. No, never. Like, maybe he's not going to score 15 points, but he's going to give you seven points of good defense. For sure. I think he's a more consistent map. The thing about RJ is that, like, I think back to, like, the Northwestern game last year at home in those type of games, he's really just good in a glorified, like, bench role player role. Like, he's a guy that should give you a spark off the bench. Like, he didn't shoot efficiently last night, and I think that has to, or I'm sorry, Thursday night, that has to do with confidence issues, but... He could, if he starts hitting threes off the bench, be a really good bench piece, which Luke Goody will be to start, and potentially Luke Goody will start at the end of the year. We don't know what's going to happen, especially because Brad Underwood changes everything so much. All right, uh, next question. Where does Illinois rank among the Big Ten teams? Okay, well, talent-wise, they're probably number two. They probably have the second-highest ceiling besides Purdue. Because you look around the conference, I mean, Michigan is losing to Central Michigan. Jet Howard and Dickinson are good, but where's the depth? You yeah, know, Wisconsin, Michigan's not very good. Wisconsin, do they have the physicality to compete against the best Big Ten teams? Trace Jackson Davis, great player, but where's the shooters to support him? Right. You know, Illinois, in theory, is the probably the second best team in the conference. Most I, talent-wise, yeah. But proven right now, I would put Purdue Wisconsin. above them, Wisconsin above them, Indiana still above them because they beat North Carolina. Ohio State. Maryland you put above them, and Ohio State. So I think that leaves Illinois at six. Yeah. It's not good. I still put them above Penn State. I bet you if they rematch them, they bounce back. Rutgers hasn't impressed me. Iowa has been atrocious. They just got pummeled by Nebraska, who I don't think is very good. But that, with that being said, the Big Ten, you know, like every year, anyone can beat anyone on any given night. On the road. Yeah. Or Look at Northwestern that. winning at Michigan State. Yeah. I mean, Northwestern's favored to beat Illinois. I mean, the computers are giving Northwestern a 55% chance of knocking off Illinois. Are they really? Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, maybe it's not that crazy. I don't know if it is that crazy. Because, you know, you see with this team, if they miss all their three-point shots and they're not creating opportunities inside, you're going to see games like Missouri happen quite often. Oh, yeah, big time. Because even if the defense does improve, you got to score points somehow. You have to score. And it just goes back to the thing that we've said a hundred times. You just need an alpha in there. Someone's got to get to the rim and open things up. Come on, Terrence. Dude, we know who it is for the millionth time. It's Terrence Shannon. Yeah. Like, we know what he's capable of. There's a reason why we wanted him so bad from Texas Tech. I I would have to talk to him. I'd have to sit down and get a cup of coffee (laughs) and be like, why did you only shoot the ball seven times against Penn State? When you look at the Big Ten, here's who I think that Illinois could realistically beat on the road right now, because that's how it'll determine it. Purdue, they no. They can beat any of them. Wisconsin, no. Yes, they could. Indiana, no. Okay, maybe not Indiana. So maybe fourth. Where do they rank among the teams? I have no idea. Somewhere between, right now, somewhere between four and six, but to me the ceiling's still too pure talent-wise. All right, let's, let's say Illinois has an up-and-down Big Ten campaign. 
let's say they finish 19 and 13 and get a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. How are you feeling? I, th- you know, coming into this year, we even said, like, if they end up making the, just the NIT, it's a rebuilding year. But my point is that where do you go from here? What's next? That's the problem. Yeah. Coleman Hawkins is gone. Yeah. RJ's probably gone. Terrence but, and Matt are gone. But I think there's really good pieces with, within the leadership with the point guard. Like, Sky Clark will get better. Jane Epps will be a very good scorer. Sincere Harris is always going to play phenomenal on-ball defense. I think the front court is the biggest issue that Brad has to get settled because I don't think Dane's Danger is a guy that you build the team around. No, it's definitely not, and that's why, you know, whether you're looking at the transfer portal or not, I think that the big issue right now with Brad is that when you don't have a first-team All-American on your roster, you aren't getting any scoring. So, like, I don't think Brad's going to get fired. But if you do end at a 10 seed in a year where you beat Texas and UCLA at the beginning of the year, like, are you questioning Brad's job at all? It, it's just... You know what you have to do for the future. Like, yeah, I said before the year, if Illinois makes an NIT, but they try something different, I'll take it. Because we've seen what happened with Kofi Coburn. I mean, there is a limit with Kofi. Because eventually Houston's going to double-team him, and you don't have enough outside you know, threats from the three-point line. But it's the way they've looked. I mean, losing by 30 points to Missouri is disgusting. It's terrible. You know, shooting 31 three-point attempts... That's not acceptable. Yeah. And he knows there's an issue. He can diagnose a problem, but we just don't really see many changes. At least the good thing is that he's acknowledging the problems and he is making adjustments. Like It was night and day from Missouri to Bethune-Cookman between what they're wearing to the defense and offensive schemes. Like At least he is identifying that he personally needs to make changes, and he has. But shouldn't the Missouri game... Like a rivalry game, shouldn't that been the shouldn't have Penn State been the wake up call? That's of what course I'm it to could say. have. Yeah, of course it should have. But teams go through speed bumps and stuff, especially when you have this very very young team that they do. And, and for this team's defense, like realistically, let's not be naive. Did the locker room problems really only start after the Texas victory? No, I think it low key been going on all year. It's just maybe got better in the heat of a moment when you beat the number two team in the country at Madison Square Garden. They played 12 good minutes of chemistry yeah. against Texas. Upsets happen. I'm going to say them beating Texas was an upset. It was absolutely an upset. The UCLA game was an upset, too. Yeah. They can play well, but, you know, there's upsets. You know, in the before the season started with Matthew Meyer, you know, we heard some things. Yeah. You know, players would call him annoying, but we love him. But you can kind of see there's probably been friction within the locker room for a little bit. Yeah. So hopefully... Missouri and Penn State combined were a wake-up call. You saw what you needed to against Bethune-Cookman, and now we're going to have this you know, tough conference play to really see if they have any chemistry at all. But again, it's so hard to predict the team, like we said, against Northwestern and the rest of the conference because they've been so up and down all year. When you, have, when you win a game because of 10 or 11 minutes of chemistry like UCLA and Texas, that doesn't tell you much. No. All right, uh, final question from the mailbox. Who are the... Uh, championship contenders that could win in March Madness. Wow. National. All question. right. I will start by giving my uh, national championship favorite, which I said going into the year, and I'm still sticking with as my number one, and that's the Houston Cougars. Smart. I think the way that Purdue's played, they absolutely have to be in there. UConn, after losing as a five seed to a 12 seed in the tournament last year, has a great coach and has brought almost everyone back. They're undefeated with some convincing wins. So I like them as my top three. Yeah. No, I think Houston, every single game, they're going to play very competitive. I mean, that defense is suffocating. They give themselves second-chance opportunities with rebounds. Mm -hmm. You know, they lost a tough game to Alabama. And then they come back the next game and knock off Virginia on the road. Right. Like a number two team in the country, they beat them on the road by nine. Mm -hmm. I mean, Calvin Sampson, no 
what he's doing. I he mean, does. he's one of the best X's and O coaches in college basketball. Kentucky, maybe you should give him a call over John Calipari. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Houston's one of the best teams. I think Purdue, there's not a single player in the country that can guard Zach Eadie. There's no one comparable to him. I mean, he's the Yao Ming right now of college basketball. He, he's fantastic. Like, I guess the job with Zach is to limit him to 18 points, not 30 points. Yeah. Because he's going to score his points. I mean, you can't stop him. Kofi Coburn got schooled by the guy. Another team that I really like is Arizona, who's ranked fifth in the country right now. Their only loss this year, I believe, is to... So is Utah on the road, and they lost by 15. But they have a great front court between a new big guy and a big guy that killed Illinois last year. They have Kirk Krishla, I think his name, still lean at the guard position. They have Courtney Ramey, a, tra- a transfer guard from Texas that Illinois really wanted in their backcourt. They're a super complete team that I think can make some noise. I'm sorry. I don't think Texas is going to win it this year. I don't Marcus so Carr can't do everything. Tennessee is limited, and they got they had a tough home loss against Arizona. But a little bit of a dark horse team who's young and has two losses this year is the Alabama Crimson Tide because they have arguably the best freshman in the country. That's Brandon Miller. He's a great wing. I don't hear a lot of Big Ten teams. Nope, you're hearing one. Another year. You know the last time the Big Ten won a national championship? Michigan State in 2000. Yes. It's nuts. Yeah. They lost in 2010 to North Carolina, Michigan They've State. lost a bunch of runner-ups. I mean, Wisconsin yeah. lost a championship. In 2015. Michigan's lost two. Michigan State's lost one. Ohio State's lost one. You know, the Big Ten's not going to get their monkey off their back. Yeah. Because Illinois, they're not going to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. Newsflash. No, they're not. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, last question. Since it's a new year, what's your new year resolution for Illinois? Find an alpha. I'm sorry. We found them, though. We no, you you have to find a real alpha. Get some offensive chemistry then. The defense is going to be fine. It takes one person to open up this offense, in my opinion. My New Year's resolution is for Terrence Shannon to play as the alpha that he is. Yeah. What's yours? Same thing. Coleman Hawkins focus more inside the paint. I like that. That's for me. I like. I respect your passing ability. I understand that the NBA is interested in you, but it it hasn't worked for Illinois. Like you have to attack the paint more. And just get fouled. Get a mm-hmm. couple of free throws. There's no point of dishing it out to the three-point line to a guy that's probably going to miss his three-point shot anyway. You really just need an offensive identity. That's a big thing. But, you know, Illinois basketball, if they lose in the round of 64 or they make the Sweet 16, I'm not going to be surprised. You'd still like them to get over the hump, though, and get to that second weekend. Oh, absolutely. That's going to do it uh, for this episode. Illinois plays January 4th against Northwestern. From Carson and Josh, this has been the Daily Illinois Sports Podcast. Podcast.